Amen. Good morning, everyone. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. I was, um, I was singing this um, sentence and I was thinking, if we're singing our God reigns, it's because he's a king. A king reigns. And if he's a king, it's because there's a kingdom. And we are singing to the king. We are singing about a kingdom that already started. It's already here. From the moment Jesus rose from the dead, from the moment Jesus conquered death, he inaugurated the kingdom. And if the kingdom is eternal, we are leaving these early stages and we are eagerly waiting for the, for the next stage, for the kingdom to be consummated and for us to join brothers and sisters um, throughout generations, for us to join brothers and sisters who are being persecuted, these, um, these heroes of faith that we don't even know their name, but because of their standing strong, standing firm, uh, not yielding to the persecution, um, church is growing. Matter of fact, the places where the church grows stronger is in the countries where it's facing most persecution. In one of the countries, it's Iran, actually. We have brothers and sisters here came, that came to Lisbon facing persecution. But in the countries such as Iran, the blood of the martyrs have been the seeds of the church. And church is growing because, like Joe, they pray, those Christians, they stand firm and they know what they're standing for. We know what they're facing. So, hallelujah, our God reigns. And even if we ask God, are we really reigning because we sing persecution, we sing things happening now, but God is sovereign. And those that keep singing, hallelujah, our God reigns to the point of death, now they are singing in front of their king. And one day we will get there. And we are continuing our series about a kingdom. And this is just something important for us to, to bear in mind as we go through the, the different um, um, uh, teachings, different Sundays, we are already leaving kingdom days. The kingdom already started. That's why we, 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 we are challenging our church to understand if we are living in the kingdom, if we are citizens of the kingdom, how does God want us to live in the kingdom? So Ruben started uh, this series, if you remember, two or three weeks ago, and he, he looked at the different people that were being invited to the kingdom, no matter their background. No matter where they come from, no matter the culture, no matter the gender, everyone was welcome. An invitation was set before them by Jesus Christ. And anyone who accepted Jesus could be part of the kingdom. Then Josh and Angel brought, um, brought, brought the teaching. How can we leave the kingdom in our work environment? How can we be relevant where God places us? And Reuben last week asked me to preach. And I was, um, I was thinking, what can I preach on um, still on this series of the kingdom. And there was two questions I asked myself. One of them is, what does the church, what do we need to hear at the moment? And is there any story, any Bible story that is burning in my heart uh, recently that I can share? And do those things match so that, so that I can understand what God wants to share this morning? Well, a story that is burning in my heart in these uh, past couple of weeks um, as we go through our Compass Life Group, 
I've been having the privilege to, to journey with the group and we're taking the book of Acts and together we are discovering the first steps of the early church and we together are asking the same questions the early Christians ask about what's Christianity, what's all this about. And recently we came across um, the journeys, the missionary journeys of Paul. This determined effort that Paul and his team took to take the gospel throughout the Mediterranean area. And I was amazed to see um, how the kingdom of God was expanding, was multiplying through these men and women that were being called and used and become pillars of the early churches right there. So I thought, wow, this is something in my heart. This is something cool we've been studying. Is it... Um, do I need to bring this here or what can, how can I bring this here? Because I don't just want to bring another life group session here. But then also this, more, uh, this, um, this week, my mom, very randomly, she shared with me on WhatsApp a quote uh, she saw by an author I didn't know about. Her name is Jen Wilkin. And she just shared this quote. God is able to bring eternal results from our time-bound efforts. God is able to bring eternal results from our time-bound efforts. And I got the confirmation for the message I should bring today. This is how the kingdom of God works. God is writing his story in the world right now. And today I want us to explore how can we be part of this story. How can we continue the stories that we've that we read on the Bible, the stories that we've known past ages. And how can we understand that in the days of today, we are living in the kingdom, and today, our season, is still a vital chapter of God's story. And last week, um, Ruben's father was here preaching, and he, he preached on, on, on this um, idea, cooperation with God. And he said, and he said very well, God doesn't need us. There's nothing that God lacks. There's no power that God lacks. There's no knowledge that God lacks. There's no strategy that God doesn't have enough that he actually needs us to fill any gap. God knows it all and has his strategy and he's sovereign and he has authority over everything. But still, God wants to partner with us. And that's just, that's just another facet of his grace. He gives us a privilege to partner with him and us experiencing what is, this all, what is this partnering all about with God and learning on the go. And again, this is about the kingdom. Jesus in his teachings when he was on earth, there was the, the thing he preached the most. Jesus, the God on earth, the king on earth, he could only preach about the kingdom that was here. And many, many times he tried to explain to his close disciples and to the multitudes he was preaching about that, hey, the kingdom is near. The kingdom is here. I am the one. And he talked as, 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 as if the kingdom was already there and, and the people should live in this way. And one of the teachings he said, if the kingdom is here, don't be so concerned about what you should wear, what you should dress, what you should eat, and don't let those... Things dominate your minds and thoughts. But he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. 
Seek the kingdom that is already here. And the Father, He knows what you need. He will give what you need. But you have to seek the kingdom of God. Leave the kingdom. And He said, do not be afraid, little flock. Little ones, dear ones, do not be afraid. Your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not be afraid, persecuted church, because you are leaving the kingdom Stand strong. Keep singing, uh, seeking the Father. Do not be afraid, Riverside, Lisbon Church, with our own uh, things that dominate our thoughts during the day. But leave the kingdom. Seek the Father. So as we take part of God's story, here and now in Lisbon, whether we are here for a, a season, either if it's a couple of weeks or some for a couple of years, we are called to multiply. The kingdom of God is about multiplication, is about expansion. In other words, is about to tell others about Jesus, is about making relationships, make friends, walk the road with people, and make disciples. And I thought this would be relevant to, to uh, remind us today and, and to look at it today because Christmas is just around the corner. And what an opportunity Christmas is, what a pretext it is for us to start conversation. We can already see the lights in the streets and the, the decorations on the stores. And may this already be a reminder that this can also be a beginning of conversation that we can ask people about, start conversation about what is this Christmas all about? Who is this Jesus all about? So that's what I want to bring today. I want us to understand better that as we're living in the kingdom, kingdom is about expanding, multiplying. And how can we be part of this story? So I want to bring you um, a bit of what actually we've been learning in the Compass group. And hopefully the story of, 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 uh, of these prominent people that lived 2,000 years ago will, will inspire us to, to live um, the same. So we looked at the, at the book of Acts. And I don't know if you like history or or geography, but I've been learning to, to like it more and more as I read the Bible, because the more we link the history, geography, the cultural settings of, of what is there in the Bible, the more we explore those things, the more we understand the context in the Bible becomes more alive. The stories, they, they don't seem just distance happening there, but they seem more natural to us, and we see how, how God used people just like us to, to do His things. There's, there's a closeness that we feel when we understand the Bible. So we, we, we look at the book of Acts, and Paul, a great missionary, he did a first um, journey with, with his uh, co-worker Barnabas, and they first went uh, and to, to, to the Mediterranean area, and they started planting, starting new churches. They went to preach the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles, or in other words, to people who were not Jews. And the, the, that mission was very successful. So they, they, stood, they, they spent around a year and a half, and, uh, and they went to Cyprus and then up to the modern-day Turkey, and they started, they planted some, some communities there. And after a year and a half, they returned home. But very quickly, um, they got concerned. They got very concerned, actually, because those churches that uh, started, they were facing um, very, uh, they were facing dangers. I mean, there were people that, um, they were leaving in idolatry for years, 
And now they've been introduced to this one God, to this Jesus Christ, and their whole life changed. But they were still living surrounded by idolatry. Inside these early house churches, um, there, quickly there was already false teachings. People that brought their own ideas and their own interpretations. And they were leaving uh, people astray and dissension started to happen due to different opinions. Some people, especially Jews that were used to all the traditions, even though they accepted uh, Christianity, they still thought you need to be circumcised to be a Christian. So they were still very uh, bond to their uh, traditions, to their laws. And so the people who were being invited to embrace Christianity thought, do I need to be circumcised to be a Christian? But uh, this is not what Paul uh, talked about. Things like that. The church was, was in its early movements. There was still no written material. There was no Bible that we open now to remember the verses, remember the words of Jesus, remember the doctrines. They, they, they didn't have it. They had Paul who taught them, but then Paul left and they were, okay, what about now? How do we grow from here? So quickly when Paul returned home, he had the desire to go back to these churches and he wanted to strengthen those churches again, visit them again, um, check how they were doing, and, and solve the issues. And even Paul himself, he started writing letters, now letters that we have collected and we have in our Bible, writing letters to these churches as he would hear reports of, of what happened. So Paul decided to take on another journey. Um, his friend Barnabas, he went south to Cyprus. But Paul and another companion, he went north to Syria and Turkey. So I have a map um, I would like to show you. Um, you see the, the, the red dot on the left? So Antioch of Syria was like Paul's home base. Um, the church of Antioch was the second largest church after Jerusalem. And that's where Paul would stay and then they, they would go out. And this check, in his second journey, as I said, Barnabas went down to Cyprus where they have been before. Paul went north. And some cool things happened along the way. In one of, in one of the, town, the towns that he visited for the second time, called Lystra, second red dot, he took a guy he had previously met before called Timothy. He had met his family on the previous journey two or three years ago. And this time he saw this young man full of potential um, and he wanted to take him with him to the rest of the journey. He was leaving, this younger man was living with his mother and the grandmother, and they accepted, you go and you learn. He embraced Christianity. You are young, full of energy. Go with Paul. Later, Paul goes to a city called Troas, and he meets another guy, a physician, a guy who was educated, a guy who was sophisticated, and his name was Luke. Luke was probably a Greek Gentile or a Jew, they don't know. But Luke heard um, um, about the gospel. And at some point, Luke accepted the gospel. And Luke joined the team as well at this point. Later on, they traveled to the region of Macedonia and to Greece. And in Corinth, Paul and his bigger team now meet another, uh, now a couple, Priscilla and Aquila, a strong um, faithful couple, solid, trustworthy. Paul actually works with them. Uh, they were making tents, and for a year and a half, they lived there in Corinth. They make tents, and they start the early churches. Later, on the way back, Paul leaves this couple in Ephesus to take care of the church there. 
You might wonder, why am I bringing so many names, so many towns, but I, I want these names to be uh, on your head. We talk about Timothy, a young man. We talk about Luke, a physician, and we talk about couple, people who joined the team of Paul along this journey. But let's see how they were um, used by God further. What happened to Timothy? Paul meets Timothy. I have a, another chart. Paul meets this uh, young guy, Timothy, and we will know that 16 years later, Timothy um, is appointed to lead the church in Ephesus, another big church, maybe the third or fourth biggest church in the Mediterranean, 16 years after Timothy is leading it, um, that church, besides his young age. We saw that Paul met Priscilla and Aquila, this uh, couple. Um, they are disciples through this journey. And later we know that this couple, so when Paul left, this couple uh, was in Ephesus. And in Ephesus, they meet another guy. You can, you can go ahead. They meet another guy called Apollo, and Apollo also grow with them. They taught this guy. They also discipled this guy. And a few years later, we know that this couple was, uh, um, uh, was appointed to lead the church in Rome, another huge church, the capital of the Roman Empire. And this Apollo guy that they've met and trained leads the church in Corinth. What about Luke? Paul meets Luke in Troas. You can go to the next chart, please. Luke follows Paul, and, he, and until the rest of Paul's life, Luke is with him, learns from him. Um, and we, we know of, we, we have written records of Luke being um, in Rome with Paul until the end of, this, of his life. And later on, Luke meets a guy named Theophilus. Uh, we don't know much about Theophilus, but Theophilus was probably a guy with money and resources. And Theophilus asks Luke to write an account of this Jesus. We can call it a biography of Jesus, or what we commonly know, the gospel of Luke. And Luke writes a detailed account of who is this Jesus that so many people talked about. And he even writes it in a way that the Gentiles, the Greek and the Romans can understand this. And Luke also writes the book of Acts, that we also have access to it. Later, this guy Theophilus probably used his resources... And he bought, or he, he has to be made, many copies. So these copies of the biography of Jesus, of the early church, of this amazing message could be spread throughout the Mediterranean, whatever. And the simple fact is that to this day, we have them with us. Even if you're not acquainted with these names, I hope you can better understand the impact that these men and women had on church history. Timothy grew to be a spokesman and a big missionary. We know that Timothy went to prison as well because of his boldness. And later, the last thing we know of Timothy is that he was leading a huge church in Ephesus. Priscilla and Aquila, they helped Paul growing churches in Corinth, in Ephesus, and later in Rome. They trained other people, especially this guy Apollo, to also become a great influence. Some scholars think this Apollo guy was the one who wrote Hebrews. Luke, this educated, sophisticated man, knew how to write very well. He wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And many people have been blessed by them. An early 
small seed planted by Paul in these people's life, a time-bound effort of Paul in these people's life produced eternal results. Results that went across millennia. And to this day, we are still blessed by them. And we look at this man, and I cannot stop but to have a sense of wonder. Wow. What great people were Luke, Timothy, Priscilla, and Aquila. But did they see themselves like that? I don't think they had any idea that 2,000 years later, we would still be speaking about them. I don't think they had an idea that millions of people would be blessed by their efforts. So when we think that maybe we could never be a Timothy or a, or a Luke or a Priscilla, we, we look at them and we think of them so high and we, we would never be like them. Are we looking at them through the lenses of our human capacity? Or do, you, or do we realize that the God who used them is the same God that wants to use us? That it doesn't matter who Luke itself is. It doesn't matter his background or who he became. But it matters who God is and what he was able to do through them. And the matter of fact is that this God Almighty who used them wants to use us to continue this story of his gospel, of his kingdom in this day here and now. What they accomplished was not on their own strength and might. In a matter of fact, during those times, the, the, the things seemed weak, seemed fragile. These guys, they, they didn't know what was yet to come. They also faced uh, persecution. Timothy also ended up being in prison for many years. Many times they were in chains thinking that th their work is now stopped. But the kingdom of God cannot be chained. The kingdom of God cannot be chained. And God confirmed His power. God confirmed His power, God's power. By using simple men or sophisticated men and women, but by using people, partnering with, uh, with people, using the resources they had so that the church could grow and multiply throughout history. So can the same God use us in the same way? The answer is a resounding yes. And I think this is so important for us to have written in our hearts and in our minds. The same God can use us and wants to use us to expand his kingdom, multiply his kingdom. Jesus himself, he told a story about what the kingdom of God looks like. And he used a parable, the parable of the mustard seed and the, and the yeast. But I'm just going to look at the parable, the parable of the mustard seed. So Jesus gave this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a trees and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus uses the illustration. The illustration that the kingdom of God is like a small seed. That people look at it and they think nothing or what will grow from such a small seed. Nothing amazing probably. 
but a mustard seed grows into one of the largest garden plants. The kingdom of God is about growth, is about multiplication. And this is on an individual level in our maturity with God, in, in our lives with God, but also on a corporately level in His church. And I, I like the detail, and I want to go further on this illustration. He says, so the kingdom is like the plant that grows, that people think it's, it's insignificant, and sometimes people think these time-bound efforts are nothing, but that produce eternal results and grows into a large tree. And then Jesus adds, it's a tree where birds come and make nests in its branches. And I think, why would Jesus tell something like that? But I, I interpret this illustration as saying the kingdom of God grows and it welcomes the people. Birds find refuge. The birds find safety. Birds find they can be on the tree and, and make their nest and they themselves grow their families. So I think Jesus is telling the kingdom of God grows. The church grows. We are a church to welcome the people as well. To show people this is a safe place. This is a place where you can grow. This is safe. This is not a thorny bush where birds come and they fly away afraid of what they might find. But this is a place of comfort. The church of God should be a place that welcomes people. So we can see this in two ways. And for me, this is the core of the message of today. The call to expand, the call to multiply, the call to be used by God is a call to every single one of us. You can learn. You can grow. You can be used by God in His kingdom in such powerful ways. And this is not just about the ones who are here in the front and don't mind speaking to uh, people. This is not about the ones who know how to sing well or, 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 or play an instrument. This is about everyone who wants to be available to serve. So either if you like to receive people in your home, be hospitable. Even if you like to write letters and, and, and send letters to people, if you are more comfortable in, in small groups and, and walk the road with people. This is a call to everyone that you can be used by God to expand His kingdom and just to be available to be used by Him and for God to, to nurture your talents. But this is also a call to invest in someone. Because you might be investing in someone who will be the next Luke. You might be investing in someone who's going to be the next Timothy or the next Priscilla. In whatever we do, the small seed of our testimony, it shouldn't be a seed, it shouldn't be a set of laws, it should be a set of do's and don'ts, but should be the person of Jesus Christ. We are called to introduce Jesus Christ to the person next to us. We are called to be the next Luke, the next Timothy, the next Priscilla, or invest on someone that is going to be the next Luke, the next Timothy, or the next Priscilla. So Paul and, the other, and his friends and his team, um, they understood when Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the good news 
preach the things that I have done, preach my things, go into all the world, preach it to everyone. And anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. But Jesus said, go, be bold, go, use your talents, spoke to many people or speak in your home, uh, on, on your home setting, but go and preach. There will be those that will accept this message, embrace this message, be baptized, and they will be saved. And there will be those who will, be, who will receive, refuse and will be condemned. It's not up to you to decide who will be saved or condemned or for you to judge. You are to go. So Paul went. Timothy went. Luke went. And they made disciples. Or a term I called and, and, and I read, they call this disruptive innovation. Or in other words, they purposely testified to people about Jesus. And I, I, I read a quote here that I read. We purposely testify to people about Jesus. And our message is radical. We advocate that people behave differently than what our cultures demand. We also share a message of eternal life. A message that no culture can compete with. We aren't trying to suddenly defeat cultures to military might, but we are to take them over one person at a time, making them completely devoted disciples, not just shallow followers. We are called to multiply. We are called to testify of Jesus, not through military might, not to our imposing into people, not using our strength, but one person at a time, making them devote disciples and not just shallow followers. It was a risky strategy for Paul and his small teams to do that throughout the Mediterranean, this Roman Empire. But history would show its validity. And 250 years after, Christianity actually became the official religion of the Roman Empire. One person at a time devoted disciples walking the road with them. I love to think that we serve a God that created universe and galaxies down to the most small microscopic being. And he created with the power of his voice. And in our small efforts, in our small voices, we are declaring God's voices and his power. In our perspective, things might seem small and not enough. But God can bring eternal results from our um, efforts. So the sentence that I, I started this message with, I want to read a bit more of the text where this sentence came from. So it says, Here is a remarkable truth. God is able to bring eternal results from our time-bound efforts. And this is what Jesus intimates when he tells us to store up treasure in heaven rather than on earth. When we invest our time in what has eternal significance, we store up treasure in heaven. And the only investments with eternal significance are people. We must prioritize relationships over material gain. We cannot take our stuff with us when we die, but Lord willing... We may feed the hungry and clothe the needy in such a way that an eternal result is rendered. This is the calling of the missionary, 
This is the calling of the magnet and the mother of small children. Spend your time to impact people for eternity. This is a call for any of us. This is a call for the engineer. This is a call for the architect. This is a call for the dancer, wherever you are. This is a call for the student. Impact people. Invest in people. Sometimes um, we can ask ourselves what are our talents that we can be used to um, apply our time-bound efforts. Maybe I don't know what my talent is about or maybe I don't spend enough time to understand how God can use me. Or sometimes, because we don't see the results of our efforts, we think that we don't have any talent at all. And we might find ourselves in those two questions. I don't see things happening, so maybe God is not calling me to, to impact people. Or I don't know what to use. So as I conclude this morning, I want to suggest you one talent that I think it's available to everyone. Let's start from the basics. What if that one talent is to just introduce Jesus to others and let Jesus do his work? He knows how to do his work. But what if your basic talent, what if your starting point is just to introduce Jesus to others? I believe that talent is available to everyone. Not because I said so, not because I just have a conviction, but because Jesus said so and invited all of us to go and make disciples, to make him know. Do you know Apostle Andrew? Do you know of what he has done? Maybe you don't know because there's actually not much written about it. He's mentioned maybe two or three times in the Bible. He was one of the 12. He was a very close, uh, intimate disciple of Jesus. But we don't even have any book in our hands written by them. And in the, in the story of Jesus, we don't have much uh, of what he has done. But who know, do you know who introduced Peter to Jesus? It was Andrew. Andrew was Peter's brother. He introduced Peter to Jesus. And how did Jesus use Peter? Do you know who introduced the small boy who had five loaves and two fishes to Jesus? Andrew was the one who brought him to Jesus. And how Jesus used that to multiply and to bless those people. In a later episode, Andrew was the one that introduced a group of Greeks that have been visiting Jerusalem. And maybe this was their one-time opportunity to meet Jesus. Andrew was the one who introduced them to Jesus. And you don't have that much written about Andrew. But his talent was to introduce people to Jesus. And how important he was that he was there to introduce them to Jesus. May we be like Andrews. May we be like Andrews. And may we take the gospel further by introducing people to Jesus. Amen. I finish with this quote. For every hero in the spotlight, there are dozens in the shadows. For every hero in the spotlight, there are dozens in the shadows. And the kingdom of God wants both. The kingdom of God wants the heroes in the spotlight. And may God help them to not be proud. May God help them to be humble. But God wants to use them. And God wants to use the heroes in the shadows. Those that are working in the background. Those that are serving in many ways. And may God help them 
to be motivated knowing that every single work they do for the Lord is not in vain. The kingdom of God is for all. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we just want to um, come before you and with our um, hearts open, with our minds open, we just simply want to say, here we are, Lord. Here we are. Use us as you want. Use us as you pleased. Take the talents that um, you made us with. You created us uh, um, in marvelous ways. You, you needed us together. And you know how to use us, Father. But help us to just be available for you to work. Help us for us to be available for you to sharpen what you, what our talents. Help us to be available to tell the person next to us who you are. Help us to introduce you, Jesus. Help us just to do that and to trust that you are enough and to trust that your Holy Spirit can convince, can transform and can bring life. We look at history, we look at 2,000 years ago of history and we see those efforts and we see how we can be blessed still to this day by men and women who set themselves available to be used, Father. We want to continue this story. We just want to be used. And my prayer is that we are a church that says, simply, here we are. Use us, Father. May we go through the next season. May we look at this Christmas season. May we be more intentional, more determined to bring your name to those that who don't know you, Father. May you, we use the time that we have left and we don't know how much it is, but may we use the time we have to make you known to the person next to us. So every day, Father, renew our wisdom, renew our strength. Every day call us to spend time with you. Every day call us to, to dwell in your presence, to, to read your word, to, to learn from your word. Every time, every day help us to, to pray more and to spend time with you so that we can hear better your voice so where we can understand better if you want us to turn left or right who to speak with father how to make the most of divine opportunities that you give us father help us to be close to you in such a way that we recognize your voice better and better this is my prayer and my blessing to our dear church and I pray in Jesus name Amen.